When it comes to being a data scientist or analytics engineer or an analyst or whatever sorts, you know, I think that's like the most important part. Like, yes, you're able to do the analysis, which is great. And obviously you need to be able to do the analysis and come up with some type of conclusion or recommendation. But the biggest piece is being able to communicate that to people who do not know what you're doing or what that necessarily means or how to do that. Like, how do you communicate that? And how do you actually share those recommendations and, you know, et cetera, and those final conclusions. Welcome back to the Data Dogs podcast. I'm Lee Britton with my co-hosts Jake Mosley and Emily Nicholas. Joining us today is Brianna Benson, who was in our first cohort that graduated with the MSBA program in 2019 and is a analytics engineer at Cox Communications. And she's going to talk to us about what's been going on um, with her since graduation and then also with her role at Cox, uh, how things have been going since the pandemic, actually since graduation, what her role has been. So, um, so Brianna, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's, it's great to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to see you all and, you know, meet the new people I've never met before. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. It has been a while since we've talked to the first cohort. Um, so we're excited to, to have an alumni come back and talk to us. Uh, we're in our third cohort now, and uh, which is crazy because it feels like it's been a while. But um, so it's awesome to That's talk. That's insane. It is. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. What? I feel like it's only been like a couple of weeks and, you know, yeah. it really hasn't been that long, but I don't know. A year is just insane. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, I still feel like that we're still with the cohort right now, the first cohort. So <laughs> so have you guys been, um, are you still talking to your your classmates since graduation, of yeah, yes. So um, when we when when we first started in August, um, we had a group me kind of group chat, yes. and so that has continued to oh, awesome. uh, remain, yeah, remain active even past a year after graduation. We're still talking to each other. We still uh, meet up every so often in Atlanta you know, catch up with each other, see what, you know, each other's doing and their new jobs, new positions. Um, you know, some people are getting engaged, married, like, you know, life's happening, but we're all with each other every step along the way. So it's really nice to kind of, to still have that relationship, you know, even after graduation. Yep, for sure. It's, it's, it, it warms my heart to hear that because uh, you guys meant so much to us as the first cohort. So to know that y'all are still out there doing your thing, is it's awesome yeah yeah it's uh, it's definitely something i didn't expect but it's really nice it's not something that you know um many people can say that they have after graduation is that type of you know small close-knit relationship with their classmates so it definitely means something yeah you guys were, were definitely special in that regard because you know my title student engagement it's like well you know how what can we do for this cohort to make sure they have a good experience but y'all pretty much did it yourselves like so thank you (laughs) well you guys are definitely still a big part of that don't think that you know lee and jake and you guys don't come up in conversations Uh, yeah keep up with you guys too (laughs) 
Yeah. That's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. And and Anna McGee, she um, reached out to us maybe like in the middle of uh, April or, or May and said that you guys were doing virtual happy hours together as a cohort. Yes. And so she invited us to one of them. And it was really neat to see everybody together. I mean, I think there was maybe like six or seven of you guys that um, connected. And she said that it was like a weekly or a bi-weekly I'm sorry, bi-monthly thing that you guys did. Yeah, and the cool thing is every time you go, you'll see different people. Not, you know, sometimes times aren't convenient for some, sure. but every time that I've gone on, I've seen like a new, you know, different crowd. Maybe it's usually around six or seven people, but you see, you know, new faces. And so it's it, it's a really cool way to kind of try to keep social right. during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. So kind of speaking of the pandemic, Tell us um, how your role at Cox, or, or tell us what your role is at Cox and what you've been doing since graduation. Yeah, so, um, well, since graduation, um, the first thing is I took a break. Yeah. <laughs> I took like a two-week break. I went to Peru, enjoyed myself. Nice. Um, once I got back, <laughs> once I got back, I actually started off as a data scientist at Cox Communications. Um, so I did that for six months as a data scientist. And then in December, um, I transitioned over from a contract employee to a full-time employee. Um, and so that's where my title of analytics engineer came from. Um, but at Cox, you know, I do um, end-to-end analytics. Um, the group that I work under is called the Analytics Center of Excellence. We abbreviate that the ACOE. So yeah, so we specialize in the Analytics Center. Um, we specialize in end-to-end analytics, and um, I do a lot of analytics, uh, statistics, building dashboards, machine learning. There's people that do deep learning, um, ETLs, scheduled jobs, program processes, build analytics workflows. Um, and deploying applications and models. Um, and so that's kind of like our, that's our, that's our groove, you know, that's, that's what we all do. It's a pretty large group. Um, I think we have probably like nearing a hundred employees going from individual contributors up to, you know, like our, our directors and senior directors and et cetera. Yeah, so what I did as a data scientist is fairly similar to what I do now as an analytics engineer, but my main focus there, like kind of where I fit in, is in a much smaller group than that big one, (laughs) if you kind of break that down. I'm part of a a small group of about five people, and um, we specialize in anomaly detection. Hmm. So we look for anomalies throughout our, our network. And um, this is a group that I've been a part of uh, since, I would say, like February. And so that's kind of like this, this, my small piece of, you know, the big puzzle. But there's many different types of groups that all specialize in many different things. But to go back to your question, Lee, about how this kind of fits with the whole pandemic, um, I've been working from home uh, since, since March. I've been working from home. And um, I haven't been in the office that entire time. <laughs> uh, they, I remember when this whole thing was happening and, um, 
And it was like the middle of the day when they were like, hey, you guys, like, I think it's time for y'all to go home and uh, probably don't come back (laughs) until until we give you the go ahead otherwise. Um, And so, yeah, I've been I've been here at my house. Uh, I've been treating it up until last month. I've been treating it as a temporary situation. So um, I kind of just had like my one monitor and my laptop but you know, as you all know, as we going as we've been going through this, we've been realizing this is going to be much longer probably than we initially anticipated. So um, I actually went back to the office for the first time last week and took my monitors and my <laughs> monitor stand, my keyboard, and I've kind of been setting up shop for a much more. Um, a much more permanent <laughs> situation. But now that I have like my both of my monitors and like, you know, my laptop and my keyboard, my headphones, I have my whole groove like set up. So now I can do, you know, analytics in peace and, you know, in comfort. So yeah. <laughs> I, I did the same thing as you, Brie. I was, it was uh, same like three months in I was like this is more permanent so I got my computer screen it really yes. elevates the whole experience I think and like you said you know it puts me at least me in a mindset where I'm like okay this is this is what I need to get used to and what I need to lean into moving forward right and you know I typically like throughout the past year that I've been working at Cox you know I usually go into the office every day um, and sometimes, you know, I, I would, I would be like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, um, ask for permission and work from home for, for like this one day, you know, every once in a while. Um, and I used to always think like, oh, wouldn't it be sweet if I could like work from home? Like, be careful what you ask for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, right? this wasn't exactly what I, what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brie, I had a chance to talk to somebody else on your leadership team in the ACOE, I think I did that acronym right. Yeah. Um, Fitting right in. Uh, And it was interesting to me. I learned a little bit about kind of how y'all work with the business. So can you talk about in your realm of anomaly detection, kind of how you're working with business leaders outside the center of excellence or outside of analytics um, to help move, you know, the company, its purpose and mission forward? Well, it's usually my leadership that has the majority of the face time um, with other leaderships throughout the organization and outside of the a- outside of the ACOE, um, there are points where, um, as an individual contributor, where I would have FaceTime um, in front of that leadership as well. But it usually has to do like if I am touching a particular program or process or analysis. If that project is given to me and I'm taking ownership of it and I'm seeing it through from beginning to end, I'm the one that has the most intimate knowledge on the back end and how each and every process is working together. And so usually, you know, if there are additional questions outside of, you know, just the surface of what this project is or or what it's about and they want to know like deeper knowledge like that's more so like where I would come in and I would be like that face of the project like let let me walk you through these different models these different applications this product from beginning to end um, especially if they're going to be the ones that are taking over that project you know like they would want to have a little bit more intimate knowledge of what's going on and so usually um, that would either be a conference 
type of situation where I would be standing up in the conference room um, with all the other people from either my group and also from the group that's in need of, of that product. And uh, with, a you know, either sometimes a short presentation along with a walkthrough of, you know, what that product actually is. And, you know, that's where I would really get my face time between me and those, those um, executives and higher ups and et cetera. But um, in addition to that, there's also situations where I am one of many people that might be working on, on a project and it could be a very big project, for example. In those types of situations, like, you know, our, our leadership is mostly the one that is our central line of communication between the ACOE and other lines of business. So they're not hearing multiple messages throughout, you know, throughout, throughout the entire group. So it's very organized in, in that sense. I don't know like what the new slang for humble brag is, but hearing hearing you say that, like I'm going to take a lap here for the program because that's exactly the what we say in admissions. This is what our program can enable students to do. And I, Bree, I don't mean in any way to take credit for your hard work and your magic because you're doing it. Hmm. But but when people ask us like, what skills am I going to get? What does my career look like? It's exactly what you just said, right? You can go under the hood, you know, you know, the technical stuff. And then when called upon to speak to leadership, you're ready to do that too. So and I actually remember you and Andrew, you know, telling me that the first, the, my very first like um, day before I even decided to even um, pursue that program, you know, is that that's what, you know, you and Andrew were telling me was like what differentiates, you know, this program from other programs. And, you know, and it's like you are going to get that type of training where you are able to go behind the hood, you're able to um, speak these technical terminologies in a business way that makes sense to not only your technical co-workers and counterparts, but also to the leadership, you know, the leadership that sometimes and most of the time do not have that type of technical knowledge in the background because it's not the part that they care about. They care about, you know, the business value, the business case and et cetera. And so be able to talk to both sides and almost be like that middleman, is something really important and also something that a lot of people, most people, you know, cannot do, you know, and when it comes to being a data scientist or analytics engineer or an analyst or whatever sorts, you know, I think that's like the most important part. Like, yes, you're able to do the analysis, which is great. I mean, obviously you need to be able to do the analysis and come up with some type of um, some type of conclusion or recommendation. But the biggest piece is being able to communicate that to people who do not know what you're doing or what that necessarily means or how to do that. Like, how do you communicate that? And how do you actually, you know, um, share those recommendations and, you know, et cetera, and those final conclusions? And do it to a crowd, you know? And that's the hard thing, doing it to a crowd, standing up in front of people, and putting yourself out there yeah. and like, this is my work. Let me show you, you know, how this all works. And then just that whole translation, you know, it's almost like learning a whole new, another language. It's, you know, you have to learn how to translate things. So I think that that's like, for sure, like the number one important thing that, you know, that the program, you know, helps with. Well, man, we're just so proud of you. That is so awesome to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. Sorry to be sappy, but man, hell yeah. <laughs> 
feel like you're doing it, we're doing it. That's the thing. Yeah. Awesome. We have now have an MSBA advisory board, but that's one of the things that they had talked about was finding that person within the company to be able to translate that. Um, because, that, you, yeah. like you said, it's not part of their skill set. They want someone to do it for them, but um, but to have to be able to speak in layman terms for them is, is they refer to. They refer to a lot of what you just said as the unicorn. Like I know, like in the business school, I hate buzzwords. We use them all the friggin' time. But <laughs> we had the MSBA advisory board for a day to sort of unpack our curriculum and everything. And everybody there, like, said unicorn at least twice, like it, throughout <laughs> the day, about what they're looking for. And it's, it's exactly what you just said. So, congrats on being a unicorn. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm still working on it every day. You know, it's. It's definitely not a skill that I had originally possessed at all, but um, at least, you know, that I know what, you know, I need in order to be at that level. And, you know, I'm working on it every day and I communicate that to my management team to give me, you know, those opportunities to work on speaking and communicating and et cetera. And it's just something I get better at every day, but definitely did not possess that in the past. So let's not get that confused. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're killing it. And so that's awesome. Um, if I can switch gears for a second, cause um, we're, we're, this is season three. And so we're talking also to our incoming students. Um, and I had a couple of questions about your experience in the program, if, if you don't mind. One of which is, if I if I remember correctly, didn't you do the consulting project your first semester? I did do a consulting project. How, if if students are needing an elective, um, could you tell them a little bit about that experience? Maybe just in terms from a student standpoint, like what you gained out of it versus the time commitment. I know that was a lot of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work, and I think I was only like one of two or three out of the MSBA program that were in that consulting um, program. But I think that was probably one of the best experiences that I had. And, you know, at first I was a little nervous about the workload because, you know, you know, graduating on that program, it's only two semesters. I mean, it's a lot of work, you know, and it's definitely not to be confused with anything less. Um, and so to take on, you know, a, a, another class that you, for a fact was definitely going to put another load on you was a really tough decision. But, you know, at the same time, you have to look at it the other way where it's like it's only two semesters and it's kind of like you have to pack in as much as you possibly, you know, can and get as much as you possibly can out of it. And I was like, well, it's only a couple months. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Right. Um, but in general, um, it was extremely valuable. You know, it's something that you know, I even put on my LinkedIn. It's something that, you know, during my job interview, like I would talk about. And it seems to be something that, you know, um, that managers, hiring managers seem to be interested in. Like, oh, really? Like, you know, how was that working um, for, for Arby's? Is the consulting, um, is the firm that I was, you know, consulting on for Arby's? And in general, it really like puts you as a, as an MSBA student. I'm talking, you know, obviously there were other students like the MBA students that were there, but as an MSBA student, I was the only um, SB, uh, MSBA student in a group of about five people that are supposed to be all working together to consult for for this company, and you know, 
being the only person in that role, it kind of puts you in a real world position where you're surrounded by business people that aren't familiar with, with the technicalities of analysis, but are in need of of those types of facts, of those types of analysis that are going to support their business case and their problem and their arguments. And so it definitely puts you in that unique position to say, yes, I've been in that position where I was like that sole person that worked on, you know, the analysis on the background and, you know, was able to communicate that to my peers that were not, you know, um, analytics majors of any sort. And my analysis and my numbers and my statistics are the ones that are shown in graphs and charts and visualizations on these PowerPoints that are being shown to the VPs and the other executive people on, on their board, the, you know, the main decision makers as, as the, you know, the conclusions and the recommendations. And, um, yeah, so I think that that gave you like a real good real world situation, you know, it gives you a brag point. Yeah. Especially for, to hiring managers, you know, once you graduate. Yeah, we're, we're throwing out buzzwords again. We're all about applied learning, right? Like what are you, you know, put those skills to use in a, in a real life project. And so that's why we're so happy to have Emily now, too, to help us source more and better projects. So thanks for answering that. I appreciate it. Hmm. I like that brag point, Bree. I really, I'm like writing that down. I like. You like that? Yeah. Well, it just kind of it hones in. You know, there's classes and credits and all of these sorts of things. At the end of the day, like I don't know about you, but I've never been asked for my transcript at a job interview. It's all like how you can translate that, and I think putting putting it in the frame of brag points, um, and especially what you spoke to. You're exactly right that in the real world. We don't get to work with people who have the same jobs as us. That almost never happens. And so being able to work cross-functionally and and doing that effectively and speaking to that as a brag point, I mean, that's that's the money. That's what's going to translate into success in jobs and then career um, progression moving forward. So I'm taking yeah, it. Absolutely. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So um, kind of talking about, uh, you know, your experience being a student, can you, is there any advice that you would give to incoming students? Um, I would definitely say not to try to take the easy way out. Like I was, like my point before was like, you know, it's two semesters, obviously they're loaded and stuff, but you kind of have to pack in the most that you possibly can out of them so that you, you know, come out a winner, you know, and as a great job candidate. So definitely taking on projects, even if they're outside of what's given, you know, in in classes and in courses. I took on a lot of personal projects. If I felt like, you know, I wanted more time on a particular subject or a topic just for my own personal learning, because as you guys know, like I already knew what what I wanted out of the program and where I wanted to be outside of it. And so I took a lot of the things, a lot of topics that I learned in courses. And if there wasn't already, you know, some sort of project on that subject, like I would go, you know, go online and look for a Kaggle data set and, 
you know, take on my own personal project and, you know, to the next level, you know, than what I've, you know, already learned in class, you know, and, and tailored that towards the data scientist that I wanted to be once I, once I graduated. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so high level, just kind of, you know, not, not taking the easy way out, you know, definitely dig in to those projects um, and value, you know, value those projects as if they were going on your transcript or on, on your resume. Um, because one thing that, that, um, that I usually tell anyone that I mentor about data science is like not to um, discredit the work that you do in classes. Um, I think that a lot of people um, don't use the projects that they that they've created in courses as um, as um, what would you call it like as, as a way of yeah like as a way of you know going into um, into job interviews and saying yes I have done this in the past. Like I here's a here's an example of a project that I've done yeah. where I've actually used this algorithm or I've actually used this type of analysis where I've actually built a dashboard. And I think people forget that like what you do in these courses, these projects, like that's experience. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Yeah, I think about the all of the knowledge that's built in the classroom and to create a funnel to be sure that that is translated into real world experience. That's that's the real value. So I think you're exactly right. And I, and I appreciate you saying, yeah, that that so much is available through classes and then also so much is available kind of um, on your own means. You talked about a Kaggle data set, which I'll Google later and uh, and how, yeah, the Internet is a vast resource. And, and I would just say even like the CMC and Jake and Lee and the whole team, like if there's a specific interest that any student has, um I want them to know that we're super supportive of that and want them, yeah, to lean into whatever else um, extracurricular activity wise that they're interested in. Um, Because, yeah, I think that's those are differentiators for sure. And I would say like that's a North Star for us as an organization. Right. Putting all of that together in a straight line to the career you want. Right. And that's I think that's an operating system uh, for for Lee and I and Emily. We will work with you and the CMC and Andrew. So, heck, yeah. You know, kind of talking about your role, going back to your role at Cox, how has your um, how has the pandemic? Did it change your role or did it um, kind of, you know, be on auto drive at this point just because you're you're at home now, but um, has it affected anything as far as what you do at Cox? Um, no, luckily, um, luckily, my job has remained mostly the same, mm-hmm. just in nature of the fact that you know it's all online, yeah. all on the on the computer. So, thank God for that. Um, <laughs> but I would say, in the only way that things have changed is in the social aspect, um, communication. Um, normally, and the way that things used to be, you know, pre-2020, actually, if I was working on a project or had any um, or needed to huddle together, you know, with co-workers for a question or to talk about something, you know, I could just walk around the office, round them up and grab what we call a huddle room 
Okay. And we could sit in the huddle room with a projector and we could, you know, put stuff up there with whiteboards and, you know, and we could, you know, walk through ideas and processes and workflows and those types of things together, um, you know, whenever. And we also had, you know, if there was presentations, we could just, you know, we had, we were surrounded by meeting rooms and, you know, um, presentation rooms. We could book presentation room and put our, you know, analysis up on the, on a projector and sit around at the table and et cetera. So those types of things obviously are not a thing anymore. <laughs> um, so we utilize Teams. So Teams is kind of like where we live. Um, so more so now um, than before, we are on this Teams chat. We do things like this, like, like, like how we are on Zoom. You know, I see my coworkers. Um, we do um, stuff like stand up. So in the morning, we have a scheduled time where we all kind of get on a chat like this. And we just talk about, you know, what, what we did yesterday, uh, what we're doing today, you know, any any blockers that that we're encountering. And this gives us the chance to to talk about those things before we go about the rest of the day. And the rest of our meetings are are um, on teams. Everyone has their cameras on. Everyone's kind of chatting back and forth. Um, we have like these boards and, um, and teams where people post, you know, their questions about, you know, oh, I'm running into this problem. So they'll post that in a particular chat in teams, or we have a general one where people post memes or, you know, funny things yeah. throughout the day. So that's, that's my new normal. That, that honestly, I know your work is completely different from us, but that speaks to a lot of what we've experienced too for, for two things. Like I, I miss the ability to walk outside of my office and cuss about something and look around to G1, Paul, Andrew, Emily Lee for some help, right? That sort of the huddle nature of like, Hey, I'm stuck on this. Um, and, and so I've, that's an aspect we're all not in the office right now. So I miss that. And we've moved the teams. Like it's, uh, good fortune, ironic, I, I don't know, but the last day we were in the office, Emily and Gwan had a Teams tutorial for us, for us all. And so now that's kind of what we do. We, we work through Teams as well, so. Yeah, I remember thinking this was like a just-in-case sort of training. I was like, we won't, but let's just be sure that we all know what we're doing on Teams and like little did we know the value. But yeah. Bri, I really like what you said, which is um, kind of intentionally putting some like social channels into Teams. I think uh, I read something that it was like as we grow more um, – as we grow to need technology more in order to connect, we also have to lean into the more human aspects of our work and integrate them in the same way that we would just, you know, pass by and have a short conversation about our weekends. Like how can we integrate that um, and make this environment seem more normative? And so I like the idea of having just a general channel for some nonsense. Feels nice. Right. And we do play around with it. We we're a very lighthearted and funny team. Um, we pl like to play with our backgrounds. So every every time that, that we have some type of group meeting, you know, we'll try to put the funniest backgrounds that we can find. <laughs> and, you know, uh -huh. people have like the craziest stuff. Um, so it definitely makes it a little a little more fun and you, you feel a little less alone <laughs> and secluded. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, you got to make it fun too, right? So that the yeah. spirits are up a little bit. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that's definitely like the, the dangers right now during this whole 
pandemic, you know, a lot of people are, are suffering from, you know, being isolated. Yeah. Yeah. This this feels like a natural segue to talk about what's in our coolers, but I don't want to get ahead mm. of you, Lee. <laughs> no, you I like have? it. I'm ready. I like yeah. it. I like the, this is a segment that um, Bri, we uh, we add towards the end of our podcast, and it's lighthearted, and it's a good way for us to just to have a, a fun conversation. And so we kind of added the um, a way that helps you keep going in your daily lives with something fun or outside the work that, um, that kind of keeps you, you know, like your spirits up. So if, um, uh, we'll, we'll throw our examples out first before we put you on the hot spot. But, um, (laughs) so I'm going to, I'm going to let Jake or Emily take this one first. Emily, would you like to go or you want to hear about what's in my, okay, go for it. Um, okay. So, you know, I talk about sparkle water all the time. There's just been a new event in my life in regards to sparkle water that I feel I should share. And that is, you know, I've been an AHA water girl all summer. AHA water sponsored the podcast, I feel like is the thing I'm supposed to say. It's not important. (laughs) But uh, a sale at the local Kroger uh, brought bubbly to my mind, specifically cherry and I'm just saying it's excellent. So I'm not abandoning AHA, but cherry bubbly. I'm still not a LaCroix girl. I'm never going to do that. Um, but cherry bubbly. So that's one thing. Well, this, if I may I, for a second, this is fascinating because, like, <laughs> I think the last time we had this conversation, it was AHA or nothing. So- it was. I feel I, this is almost a confession, Jake. Okay. I acknowledge that I've abandoned my previous my previous position. And just I'm widen it a little bit for one one more product, right? Just one flavor, um, and I also feel you know a need to share with the public the good news that cherry bubbly <laughs> is excellent. Um, and the other thing is that I um, started playing tennis again. It's a really socially distant. Uh, activity by nature you're like on the other side of the court from someone um and it's just been it's just been another way for me to get outside um and as long as I wear bug spray like a lot of it then it's really enjoyable so that's what's in my cooler cool. this week what about you Jake so um thanks for asking a lot of times you know I've talked about yard work um at the when this pandemic started I ordered a big truckload of mulch or my wife ordered a big truckload of mulch. Mm-hmm. And um, as I've sort of hit the lows of this, like that the mulch pile seems to be the one thing in my life that I have the most control over because I'm yes. working from home with my wife, our four-year-old, our two-year-old, everybody knows that. And we have a Siamese cat that is taken to waking us all up at six o'clock in the morning to be fed. Mm. So like I'm always on somebody else's schedule. So I've sort of leaned into the mulch pile and it's almost gone. So um, the yard looks better, but I don't know what I'm going to do now for that sort of stress release because I'm about to lose the only thing I have control over. Oh, no. So, get some more mulch. Oh, God. I, I may <laughs> or, get more mulch, right? Yeah. Diversify. Do you want some rocks or Pine some? straw. Yeah. All yeah. three options, Jake. That's, that's a good point. I'll have to. Yeah. We're. we're yes. Uh, thank y'all. And nice. See what's next mm-hmm. for my yard. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. what's what's keeping me going right now. How, how about you, Lee? Um, so I, I I took a little vacay and and came down to Mobile, Alabama, and visited my mom and um, some, uh, my brothers that live down here. But we 
we ran, <laughs> we went to the beach for a couple of days. There's an island down here that it's mostly locals, but um, if you take the boat out to the very end of the island, there's nobody there. So that was like the best social distance activity that I've ever done is, is to be at the beach and have nobody there. Um, and there was no you know, internet either. So I, I guess it's a bad thing if something happens and you can't call the Coast Guard, but. <laughs> um, Sounds like paradise though. It Good was, Lord. it was paradise for sure. Um, Emma learned to swim this summer, my, my four-year-old. So she, I felt more comfortable with her being in the water um, without, you know, a ton of life jackets and floaties on her. So, um, <laughs> so it was, it was really fun. It, um, we, that, that was that's definitely in my cooler and um, there was a cooler there so (laughs) (laughs) i figured as much that's awesome (laughs) so brie what's what's in your cooler this week or the past few months well i can definitely say that first um i am jealous i wish that i could be on a beach by myself um i think that would be the most ideal situation (laughs) um but unfortunately i wasn't that lucky but i did go um to florida i did take a road trip to florida a couple weeks ago i went to go see the spacex launch was not as secluded as I would hoped it would be, but I did go and see that, and that was very cool. Awesome. So I have some pictures and a video from that. Um, But my cooler for this week, or actually for the past couple of weeks now, every day I've been um, on this guacamole kick. And so, like, I, I guess I've been trying to, like, perfect this guacamole recipe. Don't ask me why I've been into guacamole for some reason. But, like, for the past two months, I swear, I've been making, like, guacamole every other day. And I swear that our Publix down the street has, like, no avocados left yes. because I've just been snatching. <laughs> yes. yeah, good for you. Are you a guacamole with tomatoes or without tomatoes? Oh, no, they have to have tomatoes. They got to. Really? I'm mm-hmm. going to go to bat. I'm a no tomato girl. I what? don't think tomatoes belong in my guacamole, but I respect you. You've been on this for two months. <laughs> Clearly, I have not. But that's like, that's the line for me. Of really? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to, maybe I'll have to consider a recipe without the tomatoes. Give it a try. <laughs> let yeah. you know. But I don't know. Brie, I have a guacamole recipe that I'll, I'll have to share with you because there's this restaurant here that makes it right in front of you. So every time I order it, I kind of jot down or remember what they're putting in there. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think I perfected one, and I can't remember if it has tomatoes in it because I, I, um, I can't. Yes, it's been a while since I've made it. But that's okay. I'll just add tomatoes. There you no go. There you go. <laughs> but you can dice them up a little bit. Just put the sweet ones in there. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna share it with you because it's really good. Yes, definitely send that over okay. to me. I'll try it. Well, heck yeah. Well, thanks everybody. This always lifts my spirits. So, and Bree, it was certainly good to see you. So, thanks for joining us. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, we always have fun. We love when we have guests on because we get to, you know, check out what's going on outside our little, our office. And so, um, we're excited that you were able to join us this time. Yeah. And congratulations on all your success. It's fantastic. So. Oh, I totally appreciate it. Thank you guys for all your even continued support. You know, 
even to continue to support right, right yeah for for the alums out there we're still here yes. so <laughs> yes we we'll, are we'll, We'll, we'll pop in your happy hour if you let us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Maybe I'll catch you guys at the next one. Yes. <laughs> Sounds it. good. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Bree, um, on this episode of Data Dogs. And uh, tune in next time for updates on what's going on with the college. Sweet. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Data Dogs podcast. For more information about the MSBA program at the University of Georgia, find us at www.georgiaanalytics.com and on our social media platforms, Georgia Analytics.